This is reposted. Every morning, Larry and I dig into a quote or idea that has caught our eye. Our hope is that our chat inspires you to never stop thinking and possibly challenges you in a new way. If you'd like to help support the show, please visit patreon.com slash reposted. Thank you for stopping by. Today, we're joined by Alexi Pappas. She is an award-winning writer, filmmaker, and Olympic athlete. She competed in the 2016 Rio Olympics and set a Greek national record in the 10,000 meter. You can pre-order her book today. It's called Bravey. You can visit alexipappas.com or basically anywhere you buy books. It's set to release on January 12th. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. So I'm really fascinated by you, and I want to start out this conversation with a tweet that I found that you wrote. And I think it's really interesting because you've competed in the Olympics, you've produced multiple movies, and you have a book that's about to come out. And so this, I think, really applies. You said, a dream come true unfolds very, very gradually, then all at once. So you have a book that's about to come out. It's all happening. What does this mean to you? It's it's exactly that that quote, I think, captured in an experience in that you know, you just like training for the Olympics or making a movie or, you know, this book writing experience was truly like both a life of experiences that I had to live and also, you know, took taking the time to try to capture an experience in words. And now that it's going to be in the world, I'm as excited and ready as I am nervous, you know? So when it comes to this dream thing, obviously you had multiple dreams to be in the Olympics, to write a book, to write a movie. So therefore you were always striving, but is it good to have multiple dreams? Because if you're an Olympic athlete, which you were in, they always dreamed to be on the podium winning a medal. And then when they did or they didn't, it was over and they didn't have any dreams. So is it good to have multiple dreams? Well, that's a great question. I think it's, it is fine to have a singular dream. It's fine to have multiple dreams. I think the most important thing is knowing where those dreams fall in your priority list, because I think the misconception is that someone with multiple, you know, a multi-hyphenate person uh, is doing many things at once when like in reality, we are very good at compartmentalizing and knowing that I'm here at training, I'm practicing, and that's the priority when my goal is to make it to the Olympics. And then I'm shifting focus. So I think it's as much about being able to to organize your dreams as it is to have one, two, or three dreams. But to your point, it is helpful when you're done with that Olympic dream to have something to turn to and put your energy into because, you know, it, it isn't, it isn't a a thing you will chase forever, right? The Olympics. You know, yeah. you, you transition to something that I want to get to. You know, you run the 10,000 meters, which is not a short race. So you're yeah. concentrating the whole time. You never slip into like, hey, what am I going to put into my book? What am I, you're, yeah. you, you're, your brain never slipped into something else. Well, it does in insofar as it's useful. So with the 10K, for those people uh, who haven't counted all the laps, it's 25 laps on the track and it's the longest event on the track. And the truth is that there is a good portion of the race where you wanna be in this like meditative um, place, almost not feeling like you're doing a ton of work as, as counterintuitive as that sounds. But for me, that means letting my mind go to a bird in the sky or like a person in the audience that catches my eye and wondering like, where's their family? What are they eating for lunch? And so something that distracts me in a way that that makes me not think about the pain. 
So that is just the most useful thing for me. For somebody else, it might be that they're writing their book while they're running. But for me, writing is as challenging as it is to run a 10K race. And so I'm trying to think about like distracting, lighthearted things when I'm running, you know? I saw a piece on you and you said that people should approach mental health like physical training. Is that something that you realized when you were training for the Olympics or is that something that happened post-Olympics when you were trying to figure out what was next? I wish that I had learned that lesson before the Olympics, but the truth is that I learned the lesson about like mental health the hard way, which was that I experienced like many of my Olympic peers, like a post-Olympic depression. And it's natural to feel like a dip after such a big life goal has been achieved. But I think learning that your brain is a body part was something that I had to learn to like save my own life. And, And I wish that I had known it earlier. You talk very openly about your mother's suicide at a very young age and that it was always going to be this invisible timer for you when that pain came back. What's the balance of living with pain because it's part of you, but also not letting that pain define you? Mm, I love that. Well, I think that having a relationship with pain, for one thing, is super important and we're going to have a relationship with it, whether we like choose to accept that or not. And I think what is important is to expect that we're going to experience pain, whether we're doing it in the athletic sense, or we expect that, you know, relationships or other things in our life are going to bring us pain. And not like pain isn't a bad thing. And I think what what I learned is that in my mom's case, it was bad pain. But for me, I have a choice to encounter pain in a more um, like, in a a different kind of pain, a good pain, athletic pain, I think is good pain. And I think that I've tried to understand pain as more of like a sensation, not a threat. And that, that, um, that's been important because I know that, that life will bring like challenges and it's kind of up to me how I'm going to face that, you know? And, and I think just that I had that, that context from a young age, just just showed me how extreme it can be on the bad side, right? Have you noticed a difference between your friends who are athletes and run with you versus your civilian friends, I guess, for lack of a better word, and they're dealing with pain? Because my brother runs marathons and he has this gene that says, I can ignore pain. And I probably, he's more equipped to deal with stuff. But like, do you see that difference between athletes and people who aren't at an elite level? Yes. I, and I don't think it's always a good thing to be honest. Like I have this pain tolerance that I think a lot of my peers have that can sometimes lead me to think that I'm okay when like I'm not. And that is something that I've learned how to put through like a filter now of understanding it in in the context of like, of the, of, of what's actually reasonable. And so I think on the one hand, you know, I think it does exist the, a spectrum of, of like, people dealing with pain differently, but I think it, it brings equal parts benefits and like challenges to people who have really high pain tolerances. And sort of just along those lines, like speaking about perseverance, you obviously have to have that as an athlete. And I'm assuming your athlete pals have that you, your the Ford is written by uh, <laughs> Mitty Kaling. You have lots of entertainment people. Is the perseverance to be in the entertainment business somewhat similar to being an athlete? So the forward is written by Maya Rudolph. Sorry, Maya, yes. Okay, Mindy Kaling read the book and blurbed it, which was really nice. So you're asking like the 
the comparing the entertainment worlds to the sports world. Well, just the perseverance aspect in that, you know, you get rejected yeah. a lot if you want to be an entertainer. You got to keep yeah. going if you want to run her. You know what? I think you know the answer to that, which is that they are really similar. And the truth is that like with running, it's so rare that I actually like win a race. And that doesn't mean that I haven't done a good job, run a personal best, run, you know, top 20 in the world. You know, like those are all things, but, but technically I didn't win. And I think that has prepared me really well for, you know, auditions in the Hollywood world now and other types of like, rejections that you might face that are actually a part of like the normal process so I think like for me it wasn't as surprising to go more into the film world and understand that we're going to get a lot of no's and that doesn't mean we're losing so I was thinking a lot about this before we talked and maybe I just made this up but I made the comparison I know you were training for the marathon when the COVID started I'm not sure if you still are but to me the marathon seems a lot like starting a movie like you're going to start running you don't know where the end is but you know if you keep going you're going to get there have you mm -hmm. seen any comparisons i mean larry kind of already asked you that but no i love that i think that it is it's a really apt comparison the between the marathon and and making a movie you know i think the the strongest correlation i see is that so many of the grains of sand that go into your sandcastle whether it's a marathon or a movie are going to be pretty like invisible to most people, right? So like, I I like have said this thing that there are like, every grain of sand is important, even if you can't see them all. And I think that that's like, couldn't be more true in making a movie where a lot of the work is, is not as like glamorous or creative as you might think. A lot of it, if you're an independent filmmaker is producerial, it's emails, it's, it's, waiting it's persevering you know and that's like very true in running too where it's a lot of unglamorous work to lead to like a really glamorous moment um and i like that about it because it means that i have like ownership and i can do work to make it happen but it also requires an understanding you know that it's gonna be a lot of that unglamorous stuff right alexi from what i've determined you're an olympic athlete you must have run so fast that you ran backwards because you turn time around and to get everything that you've done in a day you must have somehow altered the time universe how, how do you how do you go and get everything done in a day is are you just built that way or do you have to set an alarm to get everything done well i think it's two things i think one i'm the type of person who really like i really love the work that i've chosen to do and so for me it doesn't feel as much of like um it feels like a choice, right? Not a sacrifice. And, and I think that attitude really helps a lot. I'm very organized. And I also have like an incredible teammate. You know, I work with my husband and partner, Jeremy Teicher, and we together accomplish all that, that you're seeing. And it's huge, you know? I hear you saying you need a good partner. You hear that, Andrew? Yeah. Isn't it so important? I mean, yes. It also makes it more fun because things get really hard. And I think to your point about like, oh, let's talk about pain. Let's talk about the, pro it's like, well, I'm also like in a fun house with my husband and love of my life, making all the things we're making. And it, it helps me have a sense of humor. And it, it also literally helps me get it all done, you know? Yes, I like that partnership. Alexi Pappas, thank you so much for joining us today. She has an amazing book. We talked about it. There's a forward by Maya Rudolph. Mindy Kaling wrote a blurb. So many people, lots of praise for it. Visit alexipappas.com. I'm Andrew Keller for Alexi and Larry saying thanks for stopping by. Thank you.
Thank you.